Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book of Sports podcast where two Christian sporting nuffies discuss the relationship between sport and faith today. And uh, with me is Nathan, conference attendee Brewer. How are you, Nath? I'm good. I'm good down in the beautiful Central Coast, or up in the beautiful Central Coast. and um, Up the mighty Central Coast Mariners. Yes, yes, yes. Honouring the Mariners and, and feeling good. My Speaking of Mariners, my football team, my soccer team, is, um, is thriving at the moment, so it's an exciting time for me. Yeah. You just need Liverpool to win something to get Nathan back on to record a podcast episode. Um, we, we, it's been my bad the last few weeks. Uh, the uh, the interesting thing is that we we are on conference. It is mm. the I mean we're calling it the Book of Sports Conference, yes. right? the, the inaugural. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're up at the Reach Australia Conference on the Central Coast, talking with uh, church leaders about how we can uh, reach the nation of Australia with the good news of the gospel. Uh, and um, so. It's a pleasure to be here, Nath. Um, highlight so far for you? Yeah, listening to um, a man named Greg Lee, who runs a really big church in Newcastle, and just hearing his story, his failures, his successes. Uh, he's been very open and honest with us about his 23 years uh, in ministry, and that's uh, it's exciting, it's humbling, it's reminded me how hard gospel ministry is, but the amazing fruit you can see from it. So, yeah, super encouraging for me. One of the really encouraging things about a conference like this is hearing church leaders who and it's not the I've got everything right come and learn from under me but it's mm. here are all the mistakes that I've made mm. uh, here's my weakness on display for you um, if any of this can be a help as a warning parable to you then that would be great so yeah. uh, we are recording in the car park uh, as a car has just started <laughs> near us so um, if there are difficulties of hearing um, there you go uh, so in the last session in fact I think that was um Someone parking oh, disabled spot when they shouldn't have. So there you go. Even Christian conferences. Christian conferences disappointing. Can make bad mistakes. Yeah. Um, Nathan, uh, you uh, let's start with your football team and my football team. Yeah. Um, we are going to be recording three episodes to come out over the next three weeks. Um, this week, right? So we're we're doing some mass recording, and the Book of Sports conference will come out to you on a drip feed over the next three weeks, but. This week, it's hot off the press. Yeah. Your football team has done well. My football team has had a disappointing weekend. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how the conference and stuff we're picking up this conference um, relates to the area of sport. So, come on. Talk, talk, talk to us about Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, my last session, actually, was about thinking about inputs and outputs and how we need to be output-driven. And so, Liverpool have had a couple of very satisfying... You mean just not doing the same thing all the time? Yes, yes, that's right. Looking, you, you're, you're coming to a ministry, you're coming to, a, in this case, a soccer team, and what do we want to achieve? What do we want to look like? And then we're going to work backwards and go, okay, if we want to look like this, we need to take step, 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 rather than... It's amazing that just doing something isn't actually always enough to achieve right. something. That's right. That's amazing. Right. Groundbreaking that's... stuff. <laughs> and so, Liverpool FC... Uh, get inherited by a man named Jurgen Klopp and Jurgen Klopp had an output in mind. He wanted to produce this team which are based on his formula, the Gegen Press, the style of football and he built everything around that Gegen Press because it's hard to stop, it wears teams down, it's particularly hard to stop in knockout competitions. Has its drawbacks in first past the post because you can wear your team out but in knockout competitions very hard to stop. So he's got his output in mind and he's built an amazing squad. It's not super expensive, they don't pay as much money as Man U or Chelsea or Man City but 
right, he's got an output in mind, I need a player who's going to produce the outcome, and it works. And so we have this amazing team that works well together of mostly cheap uh, and people that we've pulled out of nowhere. And so, so far, the outputs uh, so far of Jurgen Klopp's uh, five, six year reign is we've won every single competition you can win in Europe as an English team. We've won one of everything, won a Champions League, won a Premier League, won a Europe, Europe Cup, a Club World Cup, an FA Cup, and now a Carabao Cup. He thought about the outputs. He didn't focus on, I'm going to do what I always do. He thought all the outputs, worked backwards, got the right players in the right system. Away we go. Let's interrogate that. Yep. So I reckon the outputs there are here are the titles that we want to win. Yeah. That's got to be his output. Yeah. And an uncritical leader mm. is going to be thinking, let me... Because every football manager walks in and says, here's... Um, Here's the the gaps in my roster here. I need to bring in some high quality players who's out there on the market. Yeah. Um, but the the strategy for Klopp to bridge his input, that is his team he's got, the tactics he's going to employ, the game plan he's going to whatever, the strategy to bridge his inputs to his outputs is this mm. Geg and press. Geg and press. Yeah. Geg and press. Better in that sounds like the kind of, That sounds yeah. like the kind of thing that I would buy at one AM watching <laughs> an infomercial on TV. But it's not for sandwiches, yes. it's football. Yes. Yes. And I, I think and I think the outputs are better in knockout competitions. Extreme intense pressure. Uh, putting on that you're chasing around, you're always pushing up, putting putting the back line under pressure and you're, you're sort of crippling the opposition. Extremely fatiguing though. So better for a knockout cup where you're doing the best of one or a best of two, you go and overwhelm an opponent. Doing it 38 times in the Premier League is a little bit harder, but you know he's had success in all competitions. And if you, so can, and if you compare it to a Man City who have tried to, tried to play this really sort of like beautiful football mm. kind of thing, yeah. um, they have traditionally, uh, also over the last you know five years under Guardiola, have been better in the league than they have in the, the cup mm. competitions. Yes, that's right. Yeah, interesting how these things can can play yeah. out. And I think the previous regimes of Liverpool. I would critique their thinking as they pretty much looked and went, who's played well against us? And we'll get him in. Purely yeah. input thinking. Yeah. So a guy called Andy Carroll from Newcastle, he was yeah. good against us, bad against everyone else, yeah. but good against us. So we signed him. He was a disaster. And there's signing after signing of people who had a little bit of success against us, brought him in. There's just there's just an input thought, not an apple thought of how do I win the Champions League? How do I win the FA Cup, Carabao Cup? And so, yeah, put your... Think outputs first. That's what I've been learning on conference. I've seen it in Jurgen, and, uh, and you sold. Yeah, you're in. It, it works. He has won everything available to him. So lock it in. Uh, well, that's uh, old school of Liverpool thinking. Mm. I think that there are. Uh, I think that the Western Sydney Wanderers are in that old school mode where they are buying players who other clubs in Australia have done the hard work of recruiting. Mm. For example, Zygmunt Gordon, who came to the Central Coast, was all right for the Mariners, left the Mariners uh, at a time where the Mariners were struggling a bit, went to Western Sydney to, quote, I want to win a title, <laughs> has won a wooden spoon this year or close to it, um, and has missed finals the last two years. Mariners made finals the last two years, so cop that, Ziggy. Mm. Uh, but... I mean, that's essentially what Western Sydney have done. They seem to be a rudderless ship. It seems that there's dysfunctional leadership all over the place. Um, but this brings me on to the Central Coast Mariners because this is the... Uh, over the last few years, it's been a success story. Bad news this week. Unfortunately, we lost 3-1 to Adelaide United. Uh, we just didn't quite have the cattle fit for the right day. We had a, uh, 
a young player at uh, centre back in pairing with Kai Rolls, both Kai Rolls and Windust had um, slightly forgettable nights uh, last night. We went down 3 1 to Adelaide. Uh, but the story of the Mariners has been their youth development. So Josh Nisbet, Alu Kual, Garang Kual, um, Windust, who didn't have a great night last night, but is, has been a good player. Jacob Farrell at left back, Lewis Miller at right back. Uh, all of these guys are players who have come through the youth academy at the Mariners, and they have been formed and trained by Nick Montgomery, former Sheffield United legend, uh, played for the Mariners as well, has come on to coach this year. Um, and it's a rare thing in football circles for someone who's been an assistant manager at a club to move to be the manager at the club and to take the club forward. Generally, when that happens, not a great thing. But what we've been thinking about today in the Stream 2 session at Reach Australia Conference is about a leadership pipeline. That is, there are different levels of leaders in a church and as you move, and in any, any organisation, and as you move up the... Uh, as you have more responsibility, you move from being just managing yourself and leading yourself to leading others, to leading leaders of others, to leading an organization. And there are different skills that are required at different levels of leadership. It's not just, like, to lead leaders, it's not just leading others better, it's actually realizing there are new complexities and new challenges to the role that you have. And I think the Central Coast Mariners are a good example of a development pipeline and a leadership pipeline. Mm. They have brought in uh, Nick Montgomery, who was in charge of the Youth Academy, quite a very focused skill set. You're looking at young players, training them and bringing them up. And they've been able to move him and, and he's been able to, uh, to pivot to the role of being a head coach. Mm. And he's taken them to, um, I mean, mo there are a lot of people tipping the Mariners to come last this year, yeah. and Nick Montgomery taken, finished fourth, mm. uh, fifth, fifth in the regular season, lost to fourth uh, in the first week of finals um, in an injury depleted team. So uh, that's my link. Mm. That, that's that's my input to the podcast based off the Pokemon Sports Conference today. <laughs> but I know we're supposed to be thinking about output thinking mm. rather than input thinking. So mm. I, that'll be on my lessons to learn for tomorrow, Nathan. Mm, yeah. um, I think the other thing that we need to do is we need to give our listeners an update on Expert 11. Yeah, and I think I think input and output is important in Expert 11. I think where managers will get to your glory. Let me. I want to give you you know a good five six minutes of glory here on, on this on this show. I've been looking forward but, to it. <laughs> but I think a lot of managers and expert, and there's quite a few in our league. They just do things. Mm. They're not sitting down and going. And it's pretty much with expert. You've just got to choose one or two things. One, I want to have the best young kids in the league, and I'm going to develop them through and through. Or I'm case in to, point, Nathan Brewer. Yeah. Or, or you're going to go, no, nah, I'm going to accumulate wealth. I'm going to accumulate quality old guys. I'm going to pick the moment where the league has an opening. Yep. This is the this is the Tim Schooler win strain philosophy. Yep. The league's a little bit weaker right now, and I've got 40 million econ. I've got 40 million to spend. I'm rich as I'm going all in. Yeah. And so you just got to be sitting in one of those two streams of thought, one of those two outputs. A lot of managers just they just do things. Yeah. There's no there's no consistent thought. There's no logic. It's just they just. They're just logging in and yeah. doing stuff, and there's got to be goals and, and targets. And and one of my one of my leadership mentors in life tells me that you are better having a average plan consistently mm. rather than an amazing plan inconsistently. Mm. If you can stick to an average plan, you'll actually get decent results. Yes. And uh, 
I don't claim to be the world's best manager in Expert 11. I don't claim to be the best manager in my league in Expert 11. I set this thing up as the only one who'd played before. It's taken me 33 seasons to get a win. But Nathan Brewer eventually <laughs> wins train has been successful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it has very much been the approach where we jump in at the right time and we hope for a few things to go our way. Those things have gone our way. I may have lent on a few people for some favours <laughs> to get some favourable results. But... In the day, we uh, mm. we've come out on top. And interesting t- stages for um, for Expert Eleven. Uh, we have um, Matt Thompson, who has been the the greatest manager of all time, mm-hmm. closely followed by yourself, Nathan. But yeah. Nathan, uh, but Matt is the goat. He is. has um, decided now to leave his championship winning team, go to a young developing team, and swap teams with that young manager. And so. Cat amongst the proverbial pigeons amongst the world of Expert 11 in Chapel Lane. Uh, what are your predictions for this season upcoming? And is there still time for people to join in if they want to get in on the Expert 11 action? Mm, yeah, I think um, first I want to spend a little bit more time on your team. And it, you deserve credit because, again, you, you play the long game. You accumulated wealth, you accumulated assets, you accumulated good players. It was a six-season plan. Yeah, and you were... You were ready to go. The opportunity presented itself. I had to go through a little rebuild. Matt had to go through a little rebuild. Jono has a strong team, but wasn't he just doesn't gel. And so there was an opening there. And because you've been building for multiple seasons on end, you were ready to jump in. You jumped in, nailed it. 48 points out of a possible 54. You're not going to do much better than that in uh, any given season. So a well-earned title. Two uh, losses to Matt Thompson, who came yes, second. But. Yes, but he... Anyway... Yeah, I think Matt's having a midlife, midlife crisis there. You don't just... Um, anyway, we've all had the emotional quit, so including myself, so I don't want to go too hard on him, but he's thrown his team away, given it to a... I like um, it. I think it's a great move for the league. Yeah. Given also, it to, it opens the window for me. That's right, and uh, giving his team to a teenager, which is... Um, brave. Brave, because... Um, yeah. And um, anyway, he's already made a signing, which I find interesting, but, you know... Um, uh, anyway, you... Good on him. Good on him. It's nice of him. And and the team he's inherited is young and talented, so he's certainly got a base to work off. It and, is an exciting squad. And, um, yeah, it's young. Um, don't, know how, don't know how much wealth they have, but they do have lots of good young assets to work with. So even if they don't have much wealth, they can be a, a rich team pretty quickly with a few good sales. Um, yeah, but uh, that I've, I've toyed with the idea of leaving the believers in a midlife crisis, but then the idea of handing my team over to someone who doesn't have my philosophy, someone who might, who might stuff my beloved team up, it's a risky move and um, yeah I think uh, yeah poor old Lockie's only got three three seasons of experience and he's done a good job developing young talent but now he's got to, on the fly work out how to manage a championship contender and run a title campaign so so Nathan give me your tips who is more likely to win this Expert 11 season is it young Lockie who's inherited the, uh, the very well oiled machine mm. of the forgotten is it Tim Schooler going back to back with Winstrain mm. is it Matt Thompson coming out with his team of young chargers. Which of those three managers will win Expert 11 next? Because oh. it's not, not, certainly not guaranteed that one of them will win this season. Yeah. Could be yourself, could be Jono, could be yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Brasher with Zarmageddon. <laughs> oh, yeah, my hot take um, was that I think Matt will win a title with his young pups that need a lot of work, have a lot of potential, but have a long way to go before uh, Lockie wins with the experienced team. He's got the better I'll team, take. but he doesn't He doesn't know. It, there's, there's, it takes time and like, you know, he, you know, he's a 17 year old boy, so he's not gonna give me that much input and I'd love to teach him through it, but 
he's not going to listen and he's just going to have to learn his lumps by himself yeah. and um, anyway he knows yeah. how to develop young players which is a good skill to have and he will be taking that with him to the forgotten and he has resources of gun players to make the re- young players he inherits there really awesome but yeah. can he take his top level players to the top so I think there's almost pride on the line for those of us with established mature teams at the moment we can't lose to the young yes, yes. And, I, and I think if I was going to I think you, John, and me, I think are all more likely to win this season coming up. Um, big, big signing for the Believers overnight. Yeah, and a nice and, um, and hopefully one more big signing to come. And so that'll Ooh. put me just a little, just a couple of bars below you and Jono, but once you get into the, the levels where we're out, a couple of bars doesn't mean too much. So we're in the hunt, throw a hat in the ring, and um, yes, but I do think Matt will win before Lockie, no offence to the young guy I think he's got potential he knows how to develop good young talent which is a key skill but let's see running a, running a championship campaign is hard as you know you've had lots of chances it was only your fourth or fifth proper swing where you landed it so yeah there's a learning curve to this so that's why as good as the squad is and as well positioned as it is um, you know what I quite really e- to win. I'm quite enjoying just just over the last few weeks I've had the chance to enjoy sitting in the chair of the expert right <laughs> sitting in the chair of the person who can say Come listen to my wisdom, right? <laughs> but we're going to finish this podcast episode. The, our, uh, our Book of Sports conference episodes will be a little bit shorter because we're trying to squeeze them into our afternoon tea break mm-hmm. here. Um, but we're going to finish where we started. What we've been hearing at the conference is that the way of gospel ministry, the way of the Christian life is to be upfront about our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Not because there's anything inherently glorious about being weak, mm-hmm. but there is something glorious about sharing our weakness when Christ is strong Mm -hmm. and that's what we've had our church leaders do Mm -hmm. Uh, they've been sharing here are all the mistakes that I've made and but for the grace of God I would be an absolute mess Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what we've heard um, in the in the scriptures this morning hearing the Apostle Paul taking to a church in Corinth that are speaking to a church in Corinth that was all about flashy leadership and Mm -hmm. impressive speakers and uh, intelligent leaders and him saying, I want you to know all of my hardships. Mm -hmm. I want you to know all of the things that I have found really hard. And the reason why Paul does that is so that they might see the glory of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's where the church world is different Mm -hmm. to the sport world because we don't glory in our weakness in the sport mode unless... It's part of the same narrative where we have become stronger by our own effort, strength, and um, and come out on top. And what a glorious reminder that is of the beauty of the gospel, how we can learn things from the secular world and leadership and output thinking, and yet we have a radically different message. Mm, yeah, and I think yeah, God chooses to use weak people as his... Uh, as the people that he works through to save, like I'm studying Exodus right now, and Moses is just the biggest wimp you've ever met. And, you know, refuses to go despite all the pressure uh, from God to try and convince him to go. He's scared. He's weak. He can't public speak. That's God's way of saving. And then, and even Jesus Christ Himself, you know, wins through weakness. You know, He lays His life down. He's, uh, you know, He's described as someone that we nothing to desire Him. He's just very uh, on the surface weak and doesn't cross. And and yet God uses weak people and and ultimately defeats death and sin through weakness through the death across humiliation uh, embarrassment and yet God God works through it so yeah really helpful for church leaders to be modeling that to us as well yeah I came across a quote yesterday and it was by a, a missiologist that is that's someone who share who studies the uh, the spread of Christianity and other mm. religions around the world and made the point Christianity is the only world religion to have its uh, geographical center shift 
over the centuries. So uh, Islam uh, starts with the Prophet Muhammad in, in Mecca, still largely centered around the Middle East. There are pockets of Islam in other parts of the world, but that's the the center of it, right? There's still the, the, um, the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca. You have uh, Hinduism in India, still very much, that's the, the, the center of it around the world. You have Buddhism in China, Christianity, well, it started in Israel, and then in the early centuries it moves to Alexandria in northern Africa. Then it moves to Rome, and you have these sort of two areas uh, in Africa and Europe. And then it becomes sort of this thing that is, well, a, a more broad Europe thing rather than Rome. And then it moves to, um, you know, a large portion in, in North America. And these days you have Africa, Asia, and um, Latin America. And it's gone down in... Israel, right? Mm. That's yeah. other people. It's gone down in North Africa, and it's mm. struggling in it's struggling in Europe, and it it moves as the church is persecuted, mm. and as suffering comes to the church, as weakness comes to mm. the church, uh, it, it it seems so that where the church is suffering and struggling, mm. it seems to grow and prosper. And as the church becomes comfortable, it seems to lose any mm. impact that it has. Yeah. And what this guy was saying was that it's almost like there is an inherent vulnerability to Christianity mm. that when it gets comfortable, it loses its touch. Yeah. And he says, and this is the vulnerability of the cross, mm. that we carry a message that says, that makes a whole lot of sense when we're broken and suffering. And it's harder to believe when things are going well. Mm. And there's a um, there's something helpful for us in ministry, and there's help, something helpful for us in the world to recognise that when life is at its hardest, actually maybe that's when we have the greatest perspective on the truth. Mm. Uh, and Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, mm. not the healthy people. It's, yeah. the, it's the sick people who need a doctor, not the healthy. So. Mm. Thank you, Nathan. Looking forward to continuing our Book of Sports conference this week. Uh, thank you to our loyal listeners uh, tuning in, and we will catch you shortly.